Hello everybody and uh, welcome to the 131st edition of the Frank and Stan chat and this is actually the last edition of 2022 and uh, we've got a guest back with us again this time it was the same time last year when Eric Craven uh, somebody I've called the the Scouse poet um, uh, joined us and, and it was a very very popular um, edition and we Stan and I really enjoyed it so Welcome back, Eric Craven. Hi, Eric. Thank you very much indeed, chaps. It's lovely to be back, and I feel somewhat privileged to be making a return to this uh, wonderful podcast. And actually, there's some big news today, Eric, isn't there? There's something you've launched something today. Yes, I think it's entirely coincidental, of course, that I'm. I think you were capturing all the viewers that we get here to sort of push it out. I I like to piggyback. (laughs) And the. um, Yes, today I've launched my own website, poetry website. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for you allow, allowing me to to uh, plug it. It's ericscraven.com. Very simple, ericscraven.com. I've got about 50, 50, a little more than 50 poems on there at the moment, but uh, I will intend, I do intend to add more, obviously, regularly. And there's an opportunity for people to um, subscribe so they'll be alerted when new poems are are added. And there's also an opportunity to contribute poems. So you'll see on the website there's a a chance, if you want to, to submit a poem or two or three to me. And um, I'll obviously have to vet them, but uh, I (laughs) intend to put them on a guest part of the website in fact, there are five poems up there now already from other people, as you'll see. So um, do have a look, do subscribe, hopefully enjoy it as well. And also there's a little clip of your uh, school report, Eric, when you left school, I think. <laughs> yes. I thought the, it was just a little um, clip of it, but it was page. the entire report. No, that, that, that was <laughs> Yes, you did. You emailed me to say you liked <laughs> the clip. It was about... Um, five or six sentences long, my entire school report from uh, <laughs> the late 60s. <laughs> and it's on the website, yes. <laughs> Great. Yeah, um, I, I found that. I thought it was a bit of fun. And in the past, though, just get for people who didn't watch the episode last year, just a little summary of yeah. who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I uh, am a retired uh, HMI. Uh, we work together quite closely, Frank, as uh, you'll uh, remember it'll be indelibly etched on your memory and um, prior to that I was a head teacher of three special schools um, two of them for pupils with severe learning difficulties and uh, another one that was for pupils with learning difficulties and behavior problems Um, I was also the SEN inspector for the Wirral and also a school improvement advisor for Halton I um, I took up writing poetry uh, about two years ago when I watched uh, the Hungry Horse um, Folk Club on Zoom and they were obviously singing and playing, but also occasionally somebody would read a poem and that quite uh, captured me. And so I read other people's poems to start with and then began writing my own and haven't stopped since. And you've actually appeared on uh, BBC Radio Merseyside or... or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you don't appear on the radio, but I know what course, you mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the voice of. Yes, it was, uh, a friend had told me about uh, an upload service that the BBC have. So I uploaded three 
poems to them for them to consider and they um, seem to be taken by them. So a researcher got in touch and invited me on to a, uh, a broadcast later that week. So it was a live broadcast with a chap called Jermaine Foster. And uh, I did very much as what we're doing now, talked about the poems, the origin of them and read three of them out. Great. Well, how are you? Okay. Well, very welcome, Eric. How are you, Stan, today? Uh, okay, uh, dealing with a few uh, leaks and uh, bursts in my mother's house, but apart from that, uh, yeah, getting ready for Christmas, nearly there. Bit of <laughs> shopping yet to do, but we're not late yet, even. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, you, not... you leave home to shop, Frank, uh, Stan? I, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not as much these days as I used to, but we used to many years ago. It used to be. A group of lads on Christmas Eve would go out to do the Christmas shopping, go to the pub for lunchtime, and I have stories of the kind of things that were bought in the afternoon. <laughs> now, the one I'll always remember is a guy going home very proudly with this so old a ship with a bulb behind it as a lamp for his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Seemed a good idea. I wonder, what, what, what... What I was getting at is is how how easy it is to shop online. This morning, for example, I, yeah. need, I found I needed some GU ten bulbs um, for spotlights, and uh, I just emailed my or text my son in law who's got a Prime Amazon Prime account, sent him the link, and they're here tomorrow morning. They'll be here. Yeah, uh, you know, haven't left haven't left the chair. So swift. I mean, it's a shame, really, because uh, yeah. there's something to be said for actually visiting shops. I realise that. Yeah. yeah, and it's also the what it's shown is that some of the things that we've relied on for years, and I'm not having to go at the post office, but it, them as much as others who can't can't work that system. So it, mm. you know, I, I look at sometimes when I'm buying something, and if it's going to come via Royal Mail or come via Amazon, it's better going. If you need it urgently, yeah. Amazon will do a lot, a lot of stuff next day delivered. I, I, I have to say, oh, absolutely. That I do find it. I mean, yesterday we must have had six calls from Amazon drivers delivering stuff. There must be a way. I mean, this is very not good for the environment. This is it. it there must well, be. Not, there eh? must be a way, like the post office do, whereby they're all bundled up and they all arrive in one go, rather than six yeah. people delivering six parcels. You know, there's got to be a way of doing that. Well, you can do that on the website, Frank. Oh, can you? Oh, you yeah, can consolidate you, them. You can say, I'll, I'd rather have one drop with all five things on rather than right, five right. drop. But there's, I, you know, I am a, a supporter of Royal Mail and everything that goes with it. And I think, you know, if it was as, as regular and as as reliable as others i wouldn't use anybody else but mm. at the moment in the last 12 months 18 months it's just not been that reliable mm. well I, yeah i'm yeah, just to put putting it out there in case our post is watching um no i i our post, our post woman is amazing and we we love her um yeah. <laughs> the thing is we were going to not talk we've got lots to get through today yeah <laughs> eric do you want to start with a poem of course i will yeah um this okay, one this one this one was stimulated by a friend of mine, a head teacher friend of mine, who wrote a poem um, about his um, a surprise poem about his father, <clears throat> and this one's called "There's Something in the Garden." There's something in the garden. I can see a shadowy shape. There it is behind the shed. I think it's wearing a cape. 
I wish the moon was full so we could see more clearly. It's it's pitch black out there. I'm staying in here. Yes, really. Look, it's moving slowly now. It's heading towards the house. Quick, draw the curtains. Be as quiet as a mouse. Pick up that walking stick. Just whisper so it can't hear. I hope it can't smell too well as it's going to smell my fear. It's trying the kitchen door now. It's double locked, don't worry. It's heading round to the front. Put the chain on the door, hurry. The letterbox is opening. I can see a pair of eyes. They're bloodshot and bulbous, the size of mini pork pies. I can smell its pungent breath. Things are becoming quite clear. They're my granddad's eyes. And that smell is beer. Thank you, chaps. <laughs> Where did that come from, Eric? A, a friend of mine wrote, wrote a poem uh, about uh, his dad coming out of the sea and, and the youngster saying it's a monster. Uh, and he's, oh, I see. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it yeah. turned out to be his dad, you know. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of got me thinking along, along those lines. It's, it's on the website. <laughs> <laughs> right, Stan. What's www.ericscraven.com? Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Stan. Stan, we're going to have to keep what's caught our eye this week. Right, well, Reasonably just be short, but <laughs> very quickly. Then the DFE have have done some risk assessments on buildings and moved from likely that there'll be some school buildings collapse to very likely and critical that their school blo- some school blocks will collapse. They don't know of any that will uh, risk life and limb or that they're not no- they don't know of any. In other words, there might be some, but we we can't identify those for various reasons. Now tellingly, they don't they haven't told the school. No, I th- I think the shadow minister has asked them to come to the house and and name the buildings, but they are they are going to do something about the ones that they think are at risk, but there's not enough money to do them all, so they're doing the ones that are at most risk. So the risk assessing the risks. Yeah, and uh, but anybody who's done a risk assessment, if you've got something on your risk assessment that moves from likely to very likely, and it's also on your critical line, you need to do something about it. I don't it. know what, what what will be the position if there is got you know. I mean, don't want it to happen but if if there was an injury from one of those when in fact the dfe knew about it but didn't actually tell the school so the school were unaware that if they'd known they could have kept children away from that area you know there's all sorts of things in the frank though there's there's you know if a map took took it over from the local authority and didn't mm. do a, a proper risk assessment or that you know who who carries mm. the can for that yeah. it's mm. it's a really scary <laughs> I remember when um, hundreds of years ago, when I was at school, the school I went to um, was in Liverpool in on Queen's Drive, and it was a very modern building. And it was I can't remember how long, but it wasn't very long that the they said the longevity of this school is predicted to be twenty, thirty years and no more. And it, it was only knocked down a few years ago, after, <laughs> you know, probably 50 or 60 years, you know. Yeah. And um, it's now at Marks and Spencer's food hall. But, um, you know, I, so these things, these things were, were all in existence. 
before risk assessments were in existence, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yes. But I have to say, thankfully, I can't recall any schools that have fallen down. There was a couple in Scotland, weren't there, where the sides... Really? Yeah, where in, in strong winds, the sides of the, like the gymnasium blew down. Right, um, of course, yeah. And then there was a lot of construction around schools that were built along the same pattern to, to yeah, make sure yeah. that didn't happen. But it's the fact that it's gone so likely, isn't it? This is the thing, you know, I mean, yeah. it's the, the likelihood of it has increased, I, I think, significantly with the, 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 the term that they're using to, uh, to capture the risk. But it, um, in my school, I remember them coming in one one week and saying, right, we need to take out all the tiles, the ceiling tiles in the corridors because they've got asbestos in them. Uh, mm. We'll do it in the holiday. Well, I had to go in during the holiday to get some stuff. And all these people are in white suits and there's plastic everywhere. And I said, can I go in my office? Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> so I was the only person in the building with no protection whatsoever as they took this. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Uh, okay, Eric, what's caught your eye this week? Um, actually, yeah, I know you've got a really um, keen interest in cricket, in cricket, more so than I have. But mine is 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 keen. I particularly uh, enjoy watching the England Test team, and um, I wanted just to raise the the uh, and, and credit them really for the wonderful way they've turned themselves around and become free flowing cricketers with wonderful success and it's uh it, it obviously is a two-person job isn't it? it stokes the captain and and um they call them the uh the manager of them this and they've just freed up the players developed a culture and um the players are thriving and are probably you know the best or nearly the best cricket team in the world at the moment and it's happened in about 11 months astonishing and uh, it, it... It's interesting because I'm a big cricket fan, but they're heading off to New Zealand, um, which in New Zealand will be a difficult task because New Zealand are currently the world test champions. Um, but then, of course, next summer they have the Ashes over here and that will be a, a big, big test. But actually, is this we always try and bring it back to education. But this is about sort of leadership, which is willing to accept that risks need to be taken in order to improve you know, and, and actually, uh, it's funny because you wrote a poem about Joe Root, didn't you? And I think Joe Root's leadership yes, became quite constrained. You know, I don't know whether that's within his nature or whether it was the the management that were sort of, you know, he, he didn't feel able to fully play an open game in the way that Stokes can. Um, but actually, he's he's under this new leadership. He's blossomed again into the world-class player that we know he is, um, and it's fantastic to see young players coming in, feeling as though I'm going to give it a go. You know, I'm not going to be yeah. I'm not going to be dropped because I've done something right for the team. Yeah, I mean Stokes doesn't doesn't it doesn't look or it doesn't sound as though he's got any weight whatsoever on his shoulders. But when Root was captain, he was carrying a heavy weight. You could feel he it. Was. Couldn't you? He was. So, so the managers really, or the manager has kind of lifted that weight, and it's uh, it's so liberating. It's great to see. It's interesting. Go on, Stan. You're going to. I just say it'd be interesting. Uh, one of I think he's already been on twice, so I might not allow him to come back a third time. I may have been on three times. Mike Rotherham. Mike works with the um, uh, women's cricket team, uh, or did do, and he shared with me when we were doing some work on culture the the things that they'd done as a group 
to create the culture in which they would well they became champions didn't they yes world champions yeah um and it, it, it's little th- really small things committing committing to things i mean it, it, we were going to use one when we were talking with a group of heads, but there was a lot of really bad language in it <laughs> of what they will do. <laughs> but it was simple things like, you know, we will die for the ball um, if it's going past us. You know, we, we won't let anybody, our team members down. We, we're there to fight. And, and a set of things that they all com- absolutely committed to. And they weren't mm. going to, they, they got each other's backs. Things like that, that, that are important when you're under you know, if you're the one person at the crease, you're under tremendous pressure. You've yeah. got to know that everybody who's sat in the pavilion is going to back you whichever way it goes. You know, if you're no, swinging, no. swinging you're out, they back you. If you hit the six that wins the game, they back you. It's... Yeah. I mean, I think that in education, we've sort of, in this effort to quality assure everything, you know, and to, there, there, and there are ways of doing this, you know, that, you you can go around and really encourage as a senior leader, you know, and you can encourage risk taking, you know, within reason. And actually, I think that's what Stokes has done, McCullum have done, you know, that that, and it's all about what's in the best interest of the team rather than the individual. And I think that cricket's a really weird game because you know too often we consider, oh well, Root's got this great batting average, but not consider, well, it's all right having that great batting average, but if his sides are losing all the time. <laughs> it's worthless so actually mm. the issue here is about the individual teacher and the the role they play and teaching staff play in what is the overall package for the school and it's very similar in a way i think teaching uh to what cricket can feel like where you are simply playing for yourself and you're not really mm. you know, all right i play in the team you know but as long as i get a good innings that's the most important thing mm. out of this well I think Stokes and McCullum have blown that apart, you know, um, big time. So I think it's great. Well, that's where it needs widening now, Frank, to say we're not just doing it for the, for the, the class. We're not just doing it for the school. We're doing it for the community that we yes. serve. Yeah, yeah. And schools working, really working together as opposed to, well, not competing as much as we used to. Yeah. It's just yeah. helping, isn't it? It's yeah, encouraging. I've been, some... yeah, I've been doing some work with schools on looking at... Um, what high quality teaching and learning will look like in special school classrooms. I I work almost exclusively in special schools, so that's the reason. And we've looked at things like, um, you know, relationships with adults, because special schools, more than anywhere else, the the, the teachers in classrooms in special schools are managers of others. They're leaders of others because they invariably have at least one, often many more adults working uh, with them full or part-time. And we've talked about those kind of relationships and what they might look like in, in, in practice in a, in a classroom. And a part of you know, the work that I think they, um, we, we've invested in, in, in what we think the expectation should be in classrooms are affirmations how vital affirmations from Absolutely. one person to another is. And that person, the other person could be a child and should be a child, but it can be other adults as well. So meaningful, heartfelt affirmations are is are, are, are such potent arrows in a teacher's quiver. Uh, do, you think, Frank, do you know what? That's the poet talking there, isn't yeah, it? But isn't that true, Eric? <laughs> 
in in your role as school improvement officer though that working with head teachers a lot of it is, is affirmation yeah, yeah, of what yeah. of what they they want to do or are doing and they yeah, just yeah. need to know that that you agree with them it's it's a good thing to do it's the yeah, right yeah. thing to do um i mean occasionally yeah. you have to say yeah. no but most of the time just just sitting listening and saying yeah that sounds like yeah or you just say well have you thought about i always yeah. used to have you thought about this you yeah. know um, okay, we're going to have to we're going to have to move on because we're going to run out of time here. So my my point for this week was uh, we're we're in the middle of uh, it feels like a national strike to be honest. Uh, it's all but that by name, um, and um, we've we sadly have had to experience um, uh, we've had to use the NHS quite extensively this week in the family. Um, but you know the the and I've been into hospitals on a number of occasions and and where. I went, you know, the staff are still putting a full shift in and I have absolute respect for them. And um, the the strike action that they're taking, the working to rule, all of this sort of stuff is, you know, if we, if we, if we, if we I mean, we have such an important sort of national treasure in a sense. Uh, and clearly, you know, there are, there are reforms and improvements that are pro- made. But when you get to a position where you can't even negotiate with your employer, you know, because you're constrained by decisions that have been made by the government. If you know what else you've got, what else, what else can you do? You know, there's nowhere else to go, is there? Um, and it feels as though that, you know what is unraveling is the sense of the, and it affects us in teaching. You know, the independent pay review body which teachers have is is not really independent. You know, because the figure given to the independent review body is a figure about a settlement figure which has got to be within a range you know so it cannot exceed this amount so you know you, you, their hands are tied um and, and you, you pick the people on it the government pick the people on the rebate on the committee mm. they put the limits on what can be spent and then have the nerve to say it's independent i know and I, I think going back to education if we had a dispute like this we would be all of us i think everybody um would be looking to find a way where we could sit down in a room and try and resolve the issues. You know, I think sit, uh, you know, sitting on our hands, um, you know, will not settle this. And it looks as though, you know, the government are up for, it does look as though they're up for a fight over this. They're not willing or cannot bend, you know, whether it's because the budget that Hunt set was too tight, and just, you know, they have no more money, you know, and they're worried about escalating, in, you know, it's not to do with inflation, it's to do with, you know, whether they got the money at the end of the day. Um, you know, so whether that's the driver and they don't want to admit it, but whatever it is, there needs to be, you know, I think disputes like this need to be resolved by sitting down and talking, not actually just saying, well, there's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Interesting. My, my, my wife was uh, in, in work in the National Health in a variety of roles, including the midwife, uh, clinic nurse, uh, school, school, um, visiting school nurse as well, and uh, she 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 expressed the view that it was very very difficult for her to imagine going on strike, even even at this stage in the in the proceedings. <clears throat> it was in her psyche. Yes, there was never ever a thought that she could up up sticks so to speak now i know it's not as simple as that they're not up in sticks are they they're, they've got plenty of contingency plans in place um but but it was it was really interesting when she she said that that there was no way she would ever ever strike yeah 
I have to say, Eric, I had an incident when I was a young teacher um, where it hadn't happened during a strike, it happened during a, a holiday. A, a young lad from the school drowned. And I sort of took it quite deeply and and thought, mm-hmm. if I'd been on strike that day, if because it was it was late 70s when there were work to rules and strikes, and that lad had drowned as a result of not being in school, I wondered whether my, my conscience would let me live with that and and I resolved then that I would support people who were going on strike but I didn't think morally I could do it mm. but there comes a point where if if you can't negotiate your way out of it there yeah, has yeah. to be a point where you say enough is enough and yeah. I think yeah. we're there are so many organizations particularly public bodies that are saying mm. enough is enough that that something's got to got to change yeah Yeah. i just worry that it 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 favors um a a conservative government if there is dispute with unions because they're able to link that to the opposite party the labor party and say oh you know as i've said this week your mates yeah yeah well it's like the rmt apparently uh um support for the rail strike is waning um so i suppose if you dig in long enough i think the government might think well it will wane eventually um but um, well, is it waning well uh you gov poll was suggesting that it is that it's moved to a sort of 50 50 view on it um and i think for those who don't i mean for those uh, some people use the railways around holiday the christmas period who wouldn't normally use it you know to get to family and whatever um fat chance of using the railways you know uh over the holidays so i think that disruption might might you know for people who don't use it very often might actually see further people supporting you know or not not being satisfied with the the strike action um but you know at the end of the day this is about a right to withdraw your labor um and actually i think if that happens it's just that point we were making you know you've got to sit down and talk about it and and rmt saying that you know the employers want to talk about it but the government are constraining them are restricting them you know so you know um yeah i mean well, trying to bring it back if we had a dispute we'd want to talk about it in a school yeah. setting i'm sure and i just wonder possible. whether it'd be worth you know that they say you can't we can't have 19 percent. well why not say right we're confident we're going to get inflation down so we'll tie your your next three wage claims to inflation yeah well, I think that's part of the negotiation, isn't it? If we, yeah, if we can get inflation <laughs> down, you won't get as big a rise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There just has to be a conversation, doesn't it, there, does. around the table, and yeah. there isn't. Yeah. Eric, have you got another poem for us? Uh, yes, I have, actually. Um, <clears throat> this one, um, I, I, I'm, I'm quite a nostalgic person, and this, this one I've written about life being in, in the 60s, being... Uh, much simpler, much more fun um, and rewarding than perhaps it is now. This one's called Life in the 60s. Do you remember when your GP came to you, when Saturday mornings were taken up with a matinee, when dogs roamed in packs and elm, elm trees lined the roads, and as kids all you did each summer was play? The coalman and the milkman travelled the streets. You rented your TV from Rediffusion or Martin Doors. You'd be sent for shillings for the meter 
and you get your money back on your bottles, of course. Ice creams were paraded backwards in the cinema. You played darts and dominoes in the living room. With crepe paper, you'd make your own Christmas decorations and the binmen would tidy up after themselves with a broom. Lampposts all had shoes hanging on them. The chippy wanted old newspapers for a bag of chips in exchange. Our cinema had opera glasses for those in the balcony. You'd have half pennies and threepenny bits in your loose change. We'd race on our bikes and throw balls to hit the curb. Jackson ollies and hopscotch were the games we all enjoyed. The neighbours came out and everyone played round us. And if you lost, nobody at all got annoyed. A lemonade man would deliver your pop. People would knock for money for the pools and the prue. And Mr Whippy played his tune regardless of season. If no meat was available, you'd have a blind stew. Blaming someone else for something was unheard of. Litigation was simply an unknown word. You took things stoically and on the chin, and you knew that moaning would just be absurd. Jimmy Clitheroe and Old Mother Riley were favourites. Randall and Hopkirk deceased and Morecambe and Wise. Callan had his swinging light bulb and his friend Lonely. The saint and man in a suitcase were the good guys. On a Saturday, on a Sunday on the radio, his family favourites. At other times, Uncle Mac and the Navy Lark. If the money was tight and you needed some help, you had neighbours and mates and not a loan shark. Sweets came in paper bags and two ounces. Spangles, blackjacks and fruit salads filled your digestive tract. Lucky bags, gobstoppers, sherbet fountains and flying saucers. Mars bars were massive and bags of crisps were jam-packed. Bobber Job was a way to do a to do good and earn a badge. Monkey bars kept us active and fit in the park. Life was so much easier and simple then. For good old fun, the 60s is a benchmark. Wow. Thanks, Actually, it's, it's, some of the stuff there, I hadn't thought of that Bobba job. Yeah. I, I, that's gone out of my mind completely. You wouldn't, that, you wouldn't get round that at all by <laughs> safeguarding, would you? <laughs> safeguarding rules that out. I can remember cutting somebody's lawn with a pair of scissors because they had no lawn more for a shilling. <laughs> is, that, is that on your website as well? The uh, Eric S. Craven dot to be on the website. Great. So, yeah. so if you love that one, then there are many more. You can get it there. I mean, um, one of the things that I've been doing is just looking back over the last year and um, it, it's great that I, I noticed that our viewing figures for this chat are up 10% this year. Um, and the length of time that people have spent watching the videos is up by uh, over 12%, which is great. Um, but there are two, <clears throat> there are two sort of lead tables in my head. There's the one that uh, has the most views, which I've got a top 10 for, <clears throat> but there's also the ones where the length of time that people watch the video. So the, the, the analytics tells you that. And actually, it's really interesting. The number one most length of time watched by people who watched it, not necessarily, it was quite a high number that watched it, was the Ofsted rant. Episode 113 was, in fact, the one that people listened to for or watched for the longest period of time. And that was followed then by um, Graham Duncan. I don't know if you remember from Right to Succeed, 
the charity that does work in um, across the across the country, but is doing some brilliant work in North Birkenhead and in Blackpool, and is about to roll out into Liverpool. Uh, and Mike Rotherham and Lucy Truman's piece, oh. they came on together. That had a long period of uh, viewing. And then Maeve Birdsall and Jasmine Priestley, the two early years experts from Leeds, um, they who are sort of, I suppose, national leaders in early years education. And finally, the in fifth place was Emma Ainsworth, the one of the very first editions that we had in twenty this year. Um, Emma's uh, piece, episode eighty four, um, that came in fifth uh, in the uh, the number the length of time that people watched it. Um, I, I actually sort of thought about some of the highlights for me. We this year we had the hundredth edition, where we had. Uh, Professor Andy Hargreaves joining us from where was he? Was he in Canada at that time? Yeah, I was in. Was it Ottawa? Is it? I think it was Ottawa, and it was joined with uh, um, Neil Smith and uh, Rebecca Smith, two head teachers who are married to each other, uh, who, who we've had on before. Um, but I was, I was also conscious of the fact we did a, a, a Wakefield Live. We did our first live event of the Frankenstein chat uh, in front of about two hundred. Uh, in York uh, for a Wakefield head teachers conference. Um, I'm still getting over that, to be honest. It didn't quite. The technology didn't quite work as well as. Or, or I think I was too excited. I forgot how to do everything. You know. Um, but and there were, there were some really challenging questions there. there were, one of which, when you were trying to tie it into education about the Welsh rugby team and how well they were doing, you tried to tie that back to a school issue. <laughs> Um, but but the, the the ones that are stuck in my mind, um, uh, and, and I do revisit these, and, the, and there are, to be honest, we had 50, was it 51 guests this year. And I want to say thank you to all of those guests who've given up their time freely, and we make no money out of this. People just give up their time, and uh, we put it up, and we, we do it, don't we, Stan, just for ourselves yep. and for the yep. chat, because the guests we have on, um, including this week's, by the way, uh, are, are brilliant guests to have, you know, make the chats much better um, than it's just you and me. But the ones that stick in my mind are the Dan Morrow um, yeah. conversation we had, the, the CEO of a, of a mat in, Dart, in the Dartmoor area. And he has really got a, a clarity of thinking about what principled leadership feels like, looks like, and how he acts it out. You know, that was... Uh, uh, that's uh, that's one that sticks with me. Dame Alison Peacock um, talking about what was it, Stan? Well, she said when we asked her how it had gone, she said it was like being interviewed by Malcolm and Wise. Um, <laughs> then I, I, I just a, a shout out for my brother Barry Barry Norris, who um, was actually he he wanted to see Room One Hundred and One. He wanted to put all sort of end of year examinations into room 101 because he wanted to go back to a time when teachers assessed their students and there was more moderation of that assessment going on uh, so we reduced the impact of uh, of final exams jenny molyneux and her father dave dave hewitt uh, that conversation um I, I really enjoyed and uh, i just wanted to shout both stan and i wanted to reach out to jenny because i know it's been an absolutely awful year for jenny in many ways um, but we we will reach out again in 2023 because we'd love Jenny and Dave to come back again. And our thoughts are with you, Jenny, and uh, and your family this at this time of the year. 
Um, and also Lucy, Lucy Truman, who was on very, very recently talking about um, going off to university. Uh, she's got a very successful uh, business that advises major organizations on how to do change management and all this. But she's put herself out there and gone back to university to study for a master's in um, the, psychology, the psychology around leadership, I think it is. It's psychology of, of it's organizational psychology, and that's it. Yeah, that, that affects it. So for me, those were. What Lucy does, I'm... though, Frank. I don't know if you know this. She she has um, a read reading days in her business where everybody has to take a day off and read, and they have to then sort of give feedback about what they've read. And it's it's part of her philosophy that you know if if you're working so hard and doing so much, you you don't update yourself and don't yes. read. Well, that's interesting because Phil Naylor, do you remember Phil Naylor who wrote yeah. Naylor's Natter? Uh, shout out to Phil at South Shore Academy in Blackpool and all the colleagues there. Uh, he joined us with uh, John Stevens, the CEO of BFET. And in his book, Naylor's Natter, there is a, he talks about having a um, staff library. And again, it's similar, you know, um, let's choose a topic. Let's, you know, give you some time to do some research of your own. And let's, in effect, have a seminar. Uh, instead of a sort of departmental meeting, let's have a, a discussion around what we've learned and what our views are on this particular topic, um, which I thought was a really simple way because he was looking at, you know, what's the value of a spending money on a, a big name speaker? You know, is it probably better to get people together, you know, um, who share a similar sort of uh, interest or whatever to try and develop their understanding rather than get an entertaining national speaker in across the earth increasingly schools are i guess in staff to engage in research i think certainly in my experience i was in a school only on um, on monday my last visit to a school this year and the head teacher had managed to uh, <clears throat> find some resource to free up teachers with a focus on research for that afternoon or morning they'd been out they'd uh, they'd been off uh, and take it through as much as you can to impact. So, but yeah, I, I hear that more and more and more. Yes. Yeah. That kind of teachers being liberated, and <clears throat> I mean, I have a thing about feedback from um, from courses you go on that you know invariably somebody won't let you out the room till you've filled in a but feedback form. form. And, oh, well, Stan's, oh, got, Stan's got a good way of doing that. that. Oh, we, we, we I, I, I do it now by sending something six weeks later. Yeah. Oh, that, that's we have these. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> a nice one. My first question is, do you remember the course? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had these. Um, it was a, a morning, wasn't it? It was, a, it was only a morning conference. Yes. And then we were providing lunch and a feedback comments on the, this card was your dinner ticket. So if you didn't have your dinner ticket, you didn't have your dinner. <laughs> um, really well. I, I wouldn't apply for a job at Mori. Uh, <laughs> well, what I'll do, let me give you now the uh, top 10 most viewed, and then we'll go into Eric's final um, poem. So in uh, these are the, the most views uh, by uh, episode. And I have to say, if your epi if, if people's episodes are earlier in the year, they're more chance of getting views than if they're more recent. Um, so I have noticed that even some of our early episodes stand st are still getting um, viewed, you know, viewed by others. So the numbers are increasing.
But in 10th place is Sam Strickland, who wrote about the behavior manual. Uh, ninth, and this is going to be interesting, this Johnny Mitchell and Caroline Foster, a recent one that we had, which is great fun yeah. together. Uh, Kendra Allen, uh, edition 122. And she she's coming back in this list, Kendra. Um, <laughs> Caroline Foster. So eat your heart out, Johnny Mitchell. Caroline came on her own without Johnny Mitchell. <laughs> and she had much higher viewing figures than when Johnny was there. Um, then Sir David Carter comes in at fifth. Um, at fourth, Dan Worsley, the author, you know, the children's writer that we had on World Book Day. And we're, we've got Dan coming back uh, around that time again. Uh, really interesting, these, last, these top three. Um, we had um, Bryn Llewellyn and Alan Davis talking about a book they'd written called, uh, very recently, called Move and Learn. And it was about how, um, you know, it, in effect, with learning is too static. It, it's, it's stuck behind tables when actually learning is out there, you know, and and... And this book is encouraging you know, a much freer way of looking at learning. They came in at third. Second was Nick Atherton. Now, Nick is a landscape architect. Remember, he was talking about projects he was doing around sustainability uh, and done a major project down in Sussex. And uh, that Nick, Nick, Nick's uh, chat has gone through the roof. It was a very, very recent one. Um, but I was looking for some negatives there, Frank. That's the only episode I didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) Was it done with Kendra and me? Uh, Was it Kendra or was it uh, uh, Susan? Susan Brickell. Oh, Susan. It was Susan. It was Susan Brickell. And uh, and actually in top place, appearing for the second time on that list, is Kendra Allen. So in effect, Kendra uh, appears eighth and first on that list. So... uh, Thank you to every guest. That's the top list, the top 10 for this year. Kendra's determined because um, the two that did the look and move, that's a, one of them's a cousin. Oh, yeah. They've, they've been battling out for performance figures. Uh, well, I think if Kendra combined her two appearances, she'd be uh, <laughs> off the Richter scale. But I have to say a, a, a shout-out to Susan Brickell, to be honest, because Susan's been a regular um, visitor to our to our chat. And she was uh, top dog last year. Uh, she's still doing very well this year. But but it's really just great that um, the breadth of people that we're able to draw in now. Um, and we've got guests lined up to the end of April. Uh, and we've got some... Uh, so I'm really excited about some of the guests that we've got lined up. Um, some of them are national figures. But others are, you know, like you and me, Stan, just getting on with life, trying to trying to keep breathing. And across. Um, but anyway... So um, before we say Merry Christmas and thank you, everybody, uh, Eric, you've got one more poem for us, I think. Yeah, yeah, I suppose after that um, listing you've just given, Frank, um, I feel like I've come somewhere beyond number 10 in Sports Personality of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with your appearance, Eric, is that it's the last one in the year. So actually... You've got no chance of winning these leagues. Well, it, it, it's either that or I don't have many friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and dig out how many how many views you had last year, Eric. Let me while you do your poem, I'll find that information out. Okay. This this we we uh, we mentioned cricket before. Um, this is a poem I've written um, a while ago now. Uh, 
and it's called Joe Root, and it's about Joe Root. Uh, when I wrote it, he was captain of the England um, cricket team. Joe Root. The crack of the willow, the stamp of the boot, the roar of the crowd, and that's four for Root. He's captain courageous, having to save us again. He's in commanding form, and so he takes the strain. The Aussies are strident. They've four out already. Amid the mayhem, Joe stays steady. He takes two to long on and then sweeps for four. It's the last of the over, but he wants some more. He takes guard again. His defence is unbreakable. He's hit by a bouncer, but Joe is unshakable. He's composed and ready to go once again. A tap to mid on and he's off like a train. A change of bowler, and now it's Stark. No need to worry, Joe's play is hallmark. Stark's line and length would worry most. Not Joe, of course, he'll have him on toast. He reaches 50 and raises his bat with a grin. He takes guard again as the Aussies turn to spin. Nathan Lyon comes on and one keeps low. But nothing to worry about for our man Joe. We're six down now, but Joe stands firm. Lion gets turned that would make most men squirm. Joe blocks three, then comes down the wicket. A six into the pavilion, that's the ticket. He reaches his turn and he saved the day. Nine men down, but it's the end of play. Joe is lauded and quite rightly so. He's the ace in our pack, our generalissimo. Oh. Merry Christmas. <laughs> well done, Eric. Um... I feel as though, yeah, I just, I love these. I mean, there's one also you do about elastic as well, which is, is that on the website, the Lazzy one? Because I think that... Lazzy one, yeah. The, the majority of the poems I write are obviously whimsical. Not yeah, all yeah. of them, but the majority yeah. are. But I have to say that I, when I, I like read that... If, if, I had, if I had an opportunity to put something in room 101, Frank... Yes, and you are going to. In, it would be impenetrable poetry. Impenetrable. <laughs> There's some poetry that I, you know, it may mean a lot to, to lots of people, to most people, but some of it um, means nothing to me. I, I've got one here. I just literally put up a po wrote poem into Google, poems into Google, and this came up. I'll read you a couple of lines. Okay. In the dreary February underbelly, Atlantic Ocean outside my window, draped in silk pyjamas and flaxen... <coughs> I lie belly up on my bed, my tapper, my laptop resting on, on a pillow. As the angels conducted brain surgery, scrape my head clean while angelic. Frequency healer directed them by name. Now, <laughs> well, you've got to help me out here. <laughs> I've got, I wouldn't I, I, even say who it's from. It's, I think I said to you, Eric. I've still got my... If that's not going in 101, what <laughs> is? Well, I've, I said to you before, I think I've got my O-level um, poetry anthology book upstairs and I, I've revisited a couple of those poems. And, and and I have to say, some of them meant nothing to me at the time. And, they, and I read them now and they mean nothing to me again. You know, uh, but anyway. Um, so Impenetrable Poems is in Room 101. Um, Thank you. No, it's been a great having you. Um, yeah. Do you want to wish Merry Christmas, uh, Stan? Yeah, to, to to everybody. Let's uh, 
well, we've we've not had the best two last Christmases, have we? They, they've been or three probably now that have not been fantastic. I, my wife was just reminding me before that we took the the we have a dining room and a living room with doors on, and we took the doors off last year to make sure there was a flow of air through when when our family came. For, <laughs> you, you were allowed at that point to have Christmas, but windows open at one end. So we all froze having our Christmas. <laughs> so I hope this one is a is a real proper Christmas for for everyone who can enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I I want I I want to thank um, all of those guests, all of the people that that watch and and support us, and we do get some lovely emails and comments about what we do. Um, and actually, I, I always find it quite interesting when. Um, so, you know, somebody will mention somebody fairly senior in education say, "Well, you know, well, our minister's watching Frankenstein chat. They need to watch this." You know, um, I'm, I'm I'm pretty certain they don't, but there are some people um, within education who do, and we're very grateful for your your encouragement and your support. And <clears throat> I want to say thanks to um, my family, who in all of these episodes have managed to ensure that the the front doorbell is answered before it rings so and we've got so many so many parcels coming at the moment um and uh, even though they wonder why we do it uh why you and i do it stan you know every yeah. um, they don't even know what it is because they don't uh, watch it well, well my wife doesn't watch them um uh, she said that if well, I, you know, I, I i'm grateful for this anyway. so, coffee, yeah. coffee's usually sneaked in just before yeah, yeah. the end but uh but thanks everybody for and i hope you all have a, a fabulous christmas and a I hope it, uh, well, is it going to be a prosperous? Well, I hope it's, uh, you know, uh, 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 a prosperous new year. Um, and uh, we're back. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, not the first week of January. I think we've got a blank week that week. The, 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 I think it's the uh, the week beginning of the 9th of January is when we're back. So uh, we've got a few weeks off now to recharge our batteries. So thank you, Eric, for joining us. Yeah, I'd like to thank Thanks, you guys Sarah. as well for, for uh, inviting me back, for having me back. It was wonderful, as always. I really thoroughly enjoyed myself. And from me to everyone, I wish you all, you wish wish, wish for yourselves for Christmas. Have a wonderful one. Great. Eric. I must, I must get back to my day job now. EricSCraven.com is where you need to. You said it, Frank. You said it. Well, thank you, everybody. See you in 2023. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.